Oh, man. You know, the Bible says confess your sins one into another. I'm terrible with the clock, so I'm just going to confess that right now. So I got to do my best. My Bible, there it is. Somebody moved it and put it down there. Uh, good morning, everyone. You guys doing well? Good. If you stuck around um, from the first service, come on, you did, okay, so I'm glad you're here, honey. So I'm going to preach a completely different message from what I did first service because the Lord put something else on my heart for you guys. So um, if you weren't here first service, go watch it. I was all over the place. I think I'm just like still recovering from the weekend, which by the way, if you're the parent of any of those kids that was up there, thank you for trusting us uh, to minister to those kids. We had a phenomenal time. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. I will give my life to that stuff. In fact, my ministry, which is called Faith Like Birds, um, we've, we've been running and, and doing itinerant ministry for the last two and a half years. And what that has looked like is the Lord has had me over the last two and a half years take a prophetic message to the church, both locally within the state of Pennsylvania, outside the state of Pennsylvania, nationally within the United States, as well as internationally. And I've been in a different nations and things like that. And, um, and I can tell you this, I, the Lord over the last two months has had me take inventory of the ministry itself. And, uh, and I've discovered sometimes you need to find out what isn't to know what is. And, um, and so the way that I thought it was going to go, it's not the way that I thought it was going to go, Penn. And so the Lord had me review over these last two months. He's asked me some hard questions. He said, Brian, where do you see the greatest concentration of my anointing? I said, okay. He said, where do you see me move the most? Where do you have the most impact and influence? Who is it with? And I said to him, Lord, it's always been with teenagers. He said, then that's what I want you to focus on, and that's what I want you to do. So we are committed. Over these last two months, my family's here. I'll introduce them to you in a minute. Michaela, who works for us as well. We are committed now with just taking all of our guns and aiming it in the direction of doing mass, mass youth evangelism. And uh, very much like what Jesse did with setting up that tent, I'll tell you what, I love this church. The things that, that your pastor does, ideas that he has, I'm like, we're taking notes. I want this tent. I want to travel with the tent. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I want Grant to come and set up my tent. The guy does it in two hours. I'm just like, good Lord. So I'm just blown away by that. So um, we've, we've been doing some large youth gatherings ourselves. We're seeing the Lord move. We want to take it all over this nation. They're called The Shout. And uh, we, because we believe the Lord's calling out to this generation to come alive. We believe he's calling them out of darkness and into light. And in the same way that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he said to the people, unbind him. I believe it's our job to take off of people what they're not meant to wear. I believe it's our job to help them understand who they really are and take off the, the, the garments that don't belong to them. And I believe he's asking the thirsty to come and drink. In fact, I want to talk this morning. Well, actually, it's afternoon now. So good afternoon to everybody watching online. I want to talk to you guys about the importance of hunger and its role in the Christian life. And, uh, and a lot of what I shared in the first service was this idea, guys, and I, I want to hit this, I want to nail this. I do believe we are being positioned for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit the world has ever seen. And I want to talk to you about what that looks like, what I believe, that, how we get there. And our hunger and our thirst have a lot to do with it. I believe right now, there's a scripture, it's one of my favorites. It's 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for the heart that belongs to him, looking to support the heart, to strongly support. I believe my, my translation says the heart that belongs to him. That means the Lord is looking for people that are all in. That means the Lord is looking for those that will love him. The Lord is looking for those that are not interested in playing games. The Lord is looking for those that will love him with every fiber 
of their being. And what I want to say about hunger, guys, is I genuinely believe that hunger is vital to the Christian life. I believe every significant move of God that I have seen in my life has been the byproduct of hunger. And I believe hunger is a sign of life. When we're not hungry, something's wrong. When you're hungry naturally, it's a sign that you're alive. When you're hungry spiritually, it's a sign that you're alive. When we no longer hunger, something's off. In the natural, it's when you don't eat that you get hungry. Would you agree? Yeah. When you eat spiritually, that's how you get hungry. The more you taste and see that the Lord is good, the more you want. I believe hunger is like an ATM card in the spirit. Hunger makes a withdrawal on the presence of God. It makes a withdrawal on the person of the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 5, Blessed are all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they will be what? Satisfied. Jesus also said before that in Matthew 5, he said, Blessed are those that are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is something, ladies and gentlemen, about an inward poverty that says where I am, it's not enough. I recognize and see my great need for the Lord. I cannot do this in my own strength, and I humble myself before him. And there is something about lowliness of heart. I told the kids uh, over this weekend, I said, water always flows to the lowest place. That means this, the lower we go before God, I believe that is what is attractive to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Lord right now is looking. I want to talk about desperation. The Lord is looking for those that are tired of where they are. The Lord is looking for those that know that there's more. And that, listen, we need to learn to walk in the beautiful tension of being thankful for what we have, but at the same time living with the dissatisfaction of what we don't have yet. Like, we need to be thankful for what we've experienced, but then there's a place where we understand that there's more. Because Jesus said in John 14, 12, the things I do, you will do, and more. Do you want to know something? You can't do the more until you do what he did. The things I do, you will do, and more. And he told the disciples after he was raised from the dead, and he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And guys, I want to tell you this. Now that we've decided we're going to go after, I want to see a generation encounter Jesus. I want to see them get so rocked, listen, that they don't just have a good time, but that they actually surrender their whole life to him. That's the point. That is the point. The whole point is, guys, that they would meet him in such a way that they're forever marked and changed. They're, they've encountered his love, and the natural response is that they would then love him with every fiber of their being. And the greatest evidence that we love is that we lay down our life for our friends, according to John 15, 13. So we know that we love because we obey him. We know that we love because we lay our life down before him. But I will tell you this. Where I am and what I'm currently walking in, I believe, is not enough for where I think God wants to take me. So I owe it to these kids. I owe it to them to be walking in something that I believe will help get them free. And there's a story, this wrecks me every time. There are certain places in Scripture that I will feed on. The Bible says this, guys, I'll come back to it. It's Matthew 17. If, if I forget, JB, just remind me. Say, Matthew 17, Brian. Which, hey, thank, um, are you guys thankful for that guy's heart? Man, it's good stuff, man. Thanks, JB. But listen, guys, the Bible says this. After Jesus is tempted, <laughs> this makes me laugh, he's 40 days in the wilderness without food. At the end of the 40 days, it says, 
and he hungered. Some of us would be dead after one meal. Some of us, listen guys, a lot of us, we live to eat. We don't eat to live. So I was going to talk about fasting. I'm not. You probably, you probably weren't thinking, I want to wake up this morning and hear about fasting. Although I believe it is an incredible, powerful discipline and the enemy keeps its power, I believe, from a lot of people. Our culture revolves around food. That is one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to fast. Lately, like, it's so funny. Whenever I go on a fast, my daughter will say, aren't you going to die? That is a misconception. You are not going to die just because you're not eating. I promise you. And I am a purist when it comes to that stuff. People are like, well, you can fast social media. Look, they didn't have social media back then. A pure, and I believe this, a genuine, real fast is the abstinence of food. There are different occasions in the Bible where they fasted food and water. I don't highly recommend that. But when they were, go, when they were facing impending doom, like in the days of Nineveh and like in the days of Esther, they went without food and without water. And everything, including livestock, humbled itself and nothing ate or drank. And it diverted what was the doom that was coming to them, the judgment of God. But there are different times throughout the Bible, you can't deny it, where people... And it's the way, guys, listen, we humble our souls through fasting. And when you humble yourself, grace comes to you. You want to see the activity. In the, because, guys, I am tired of tolerating in our lives what we shouldn't be tolerating. And the Lord is looking for the desperate ones and the hungry ones that are saying, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Because, guys, here's my experience. We want to see the stuff, but not everybody's willing to pay the price to walk in it. And it does have a price tag attached to it. It's, it's free in the sense that it's grace, but the Lord is looking for the ones who will genuinely count the cost. So when the Lord whispered to me in 2019 and he said, I want you to do these large youth gatherings. And I said yes to the gatherings, but I just didn't, have, I didn't aim all of my artillery in the full direction of, of going after the youth until these last few months. So I told the Lord, I will do it. You know why? Because I don't want him asking anybody else. And if you're not willing to do it, he'll find somebody else that will. And I have this sense in my heart right now that there are so many people in the body of Christ that are in this time of transition. And I feel with all my heart that now is the time. If you know what you should be doing and you haven't stepped into it, you need to be stepping into it right now. I believe there is a grace available for you to pursue right now what God has been asking you to do. But where you currently are can't come along with where he's taking you. Okay? So, And if you don't know what to do, can I tell you this? This might sound shocking. I tell this to the students. I tell this to youth I minister to. If you don't know what God has for you to do, get good at what's right in front of you right now. Be diligent. Can I tell you something? Learn how to make your bed. Clean your car. If you can't clean your car, if you can't take care of your life and be organized, how's he going to entrust you with much? I'm telling you, that sounds simple and sounds lame and weird. But I'm telling you, there's something about diligence and doing things as though it's unto the Lord. Everything. Man, my wife, she hates washing the dishes. So guess what I do, man? I wash them with fervor and zeal. I love the dishes, baby. I saw my grandfather. That's how he loved and blessed my grandmother. My grandmother hated doing the dishes. So that's something that I saw. That's a delight. That's a pleasure. I don't mind doing it. I'll do it with every fiber and every ounce of my being. I want them to look nice, man. So here's the deal, guys. I believe with all my heart that now is the time to step in. I believe we owe it to the people. Guys, this last year was one of the most interesting years I've ever experienced in 42 years of my life. And it exposed a whole lot in the world and within the church. It revealed where we are and the power we're currently walking in. And I believe we owe it to everybody outside these walls to be moving in something greater than we're walking in right now. I don't want to just have an opinion about it. I want to have a demonstration. 
Even Paul said, my words to you were not in persuasive. They weren't persuasive words. They weren't words that would argue you into faith. You know why? Because he didn't want anybody's faith to rest in men, it says in 1 Corinthians 2. He wanted to move in the power of God so that the, their faith would rest in God. And he said, my preaching to you was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit. And that man, it says, fully preached the gospel in signs and wonders. And if signs and wonders aren't present, it's not the gospel. Because Jesus will testify to the word of his grace. He said these signs and wonders will follow those that believe. And as they went and as they preached, it says his hand was there and he healed and he delivered. He did his job and they did their job. But I know this, guys. If we really want this thing, it's going to come with a price tag. It's going to come with something attached to it. So for me, where I'm at right now, like, is I consider passages of scripture like Matthew 17. Guys, the Bible says after Jesus was in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days, he became hungry, and the devil began to tempt him. I can tell you this. When you purpose in your heart to fast and pray, you'll draw warfare to yourself. The demonic hate Christians that fast and pray. Because it is all about saying no to you and yes to him. It is all about drawing near to him. It's not that the fast itself is power. But when it's coupled with prayer and fasting, when you marry those two together, it's dynamite in the hands of God. I promise you. Because what you're declaring, the fast itself is prayer. And the fast declares to the Lord, you're the one that I want. And God is looking for a people right now that aren't after just what he can do for them. He's looking for people that are saying, I want to lay my life down for somebody else. I want to lay my life down for somebody that's on the outside here. So the Lord, all during COVID, all, there, guys, there were so many people that the response to that thing was... I, so during that season, the Lord spoke to me and all through, the, through Luke chapter 11. I'll come back to Matthew 17, JB. I promise. I'll get there. Luke chapter 11, here you have the disciples. They come to Jesus. They see that there's something different about how this boy prays. So they come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to pray. So he goes on. He tells them what? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But then it says this. But then he told them this parable. So he's still answering the question. It wasn't enough just for, them to, just, for them, just for him to teach them the Lord's Prayer. It says, then he said to them. So he's still answering the question. It's Luke chapter 11. He said he tells this parable about a guy who has a friend that shows up at midnight. Guys, for a lot of people, it's felt like midnight. For a lot of people, midnight, by the way, is the darkest hour of the day. For, and crazy things happen at midnight in the Bible. It was at midnight when the angel of the Lord went through Egypt. It was at midnight when the bridegroom shows up and calls out to the virgins. At midnight, this guy shows up, and he comes, and he asks. He realizes he doesn't have what's necessary to feed this visitor that shows up. And I believe, guys, in a lot of ways, that's exactly what happened this last year. COVID revealed where we are, what we have, and what we don't have. So the Lord is looking for people that are willing to humble themselves and go to where they know they need to go to get what they need to get to take care of what they need to take care of. So in this parable, as Jesus is telling this parable, this man shows up at midnight at this person's house. He realizes he doesn't have any bread to set before the guy. And you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't have an opinion on how to make bread or how it should taste. 
People are not coming to our doors because they're looking for our opinion. People want to come because they want a demonstration. So he says to him, he says, well, he doesn't tell him anything. He just gets up and he goes to his friend's house and begins knocking on his door and asking for three loaves of bread. Why? Because he knows when that guy showed up, it revealed he didn't have what he needed to meet met the need. He didn't have what was necessary to feed the guy. Are you tracking with me? So listen, guys, there's going to be people in the days to come. And I am thankful that this is a church that Penn said, like, you guys are thriving. More and more people are coming. People are looking for what's real and authentic right now. People are looking for the presence of God. That's what distinguishes us from every nation. It says in Exodus, I believe, 33, where Moses tells God, hey, you want to send an angel with us into the promised land? I ain't going unless you're coming. You know what that tells me? The presence of God was more important to Moses than the promise over his life. Man, you can love your promise more than you can love him. You can love the dream you have more than you love God. You can love where God's taking you more than you love God. But Moses loved the Lord more than he loved where they were going. And I believe God wants us marked by his presence. He is looking for churches and leadership right now that can host the presence of God. Because like I told the first service in Acts chapter 2, it says the Lord was adding to their number daily. Not their evangelistic effort. The presence of God in their midst was multiplying them. That's powerful. That's what people are hungry for. That's what they're looking for. So this guy shows up at at this guy's house at midnight. At midnight. And I talked to a lot of people this last year. Freaked out. No hope. I know some people that never left the cul-de-sac. They didn't leave their house. Now, we better have an answer for this stuff, guys. We better not just tell people about Jesus. They want to see Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? So this guy shows up. I don't have any bread, but I'll go where I know I can get some. So he knocks on his friend's house, and the guy says from within, he says, don't bother me. Me and my family are asleep right now. Do you know this parable? Luke 11. But this is what it says. Watch this. This is the key. Hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. Do you, think, do you think those Jewish boys didn't know how to pray? Do you think that they were probably schooled in prayer in some way? Do you think that maybe they saw something in Jesus they never saw before? Like Nicodemus when he said, we know you're sent from God because nobody can do the things you're doing unless God is with them. Right? So they saw something, I believe, in Jesus. When this guy prays, he gets results. When this guy talks to demons, they leave. When this guy wants bread, he multiplies it. There's something about this Jesus that they never saw before, and they wanted in on how he prayed. So he taught them, he said, pray then in this way, our Father who art in heaven. But then it says, then he continued to tell them this parable. So in this parable, this guy goes, he doesn't have bread, so he's going to go knock on his friend's door. And from within, it says, leave us alone. My family and I are asleep. Don't bother us right now. But then the Bible says this, yeah, but because of his persistence. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. How much do you need right now? That's the question. How much do you need right now? You know what? You know how he wraps that whole parable up? You know what he says? Well, we'll look at it. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. This wasn't where I was going to go. I was going to talk about something else. I'm going to get to Matthew 17, I promise. Luke chapter 11. I'm doing good on time. I've got 10 minutes and 48 seconds left. Luke chapter 11. Is everybody okay? All right, fantastic. This is important, guys. This is important. There is something right now about being discontent. There's something about right now just not being satisfied for where you are. We owe it to people. So while you are here, I will quote Matthew 17 for you really quick. 
oh, it's a joke in my church. They're like, we learned that when you, when you tell us to turn somewhere, you'll get there in a half hour. I said, that's probably true, so just hang on. In Matthew 17, you have this scene where Jesus is transfigured. He comes down off the mountain with Peter, James, and John. They saw what was tabernacling in the flesh. It suddenly revealed Jesus is glorified before them. Down at the bottom of the mountain, the nine are dealing with this situation. There's a demonized boy that up to this point, nothing has been impossible for the disciples. Would you agree with me? Nothing. They bring this boy to, to the disciples. This father brings his son. And this is what the scripture says in Matthew 17. This is strong. It says he's a lunatic. It says he's very ill. This is what my, my translation says. Lunatic, very ill, and he throws himself into the fire and into the water. So the father brings, if I can't get to Jesus, the next best option is his guys. So Peter, James, and John are having a kumbaya time up on top of the mountain of transfiguration. The other nine are dealing with this and everything up to this point, including the demons, because they even come back and say, the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice the fact that heaven knows you. We never pull our identity from what we do for the Lord or how God moves through our life. Our identity comes from the fact that heaven knows us and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So you have this situation. All of a sudden, now they're running into a problem where delegated authority isn't enough. And this demon's not coming out of this kid. This is a secret, guys. I promise you. This demon's not leaving this boy. It's not bowing. So Jesus shows up, and, and this is what he says to his disciples. He says, you wicked, I think it says wicked, you wicked and perverse generation. A lot of us are like, whoa, Jesus, cool down. What he's saying is your thinking is crooked and you still don't get it yet. And he, he would say things like this, how much longer will I be with you? In other words, hey, guys, this is Matthew 17 and Matthew 26 is coming. I need you to understand. I'm getting ready to go, set my face to Jerusalem. I'm not going to be with you much longer, and you need to get this lesson. Because every time God moves miraculously, it demands a mind change. So much so that you know the story. Jesus feeds the, the 5,000 and the 4,000, and then he starts telling them this story. Hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of, the, of hair. And they're like, oh, my gosh, he's talking about bread. We forgot to bring bread. Yet they multiplied it two times, and their mind still hasn't changed. And he goes, has your heart still hardened by unbelief? Because every miracle, you know this, how many times have you seen God move, and then the next time around, the area he moved in, when it comes back again, you're just as panicked as you were the first time. And all that reveals is your mind hasn't changed yet. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every miracle demands a response from the Lord. It demands, it demands that we begin to think like heaven. So they come up against the situation. This demon is not coming out. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. So it's not a matter of whether or not it's the Lord's will to heal the boy. Are we clear? Because a lot of us would say, well, I prayed, and I guess it's just not moving. Can I tell you something? I'm tired of just praying and not seeing something move. And God is waiting for us to get to that place, if you want me to be honest. God is waiting for us to get to the place where we will take some of these disciplines serious enough because up to this point, he's the only one that's been fasting. Can I tell you a secret? The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, but he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a key. He went in full of the Holy Spirit. John baptizes him in the River Jordan, brings him up, uh, 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 sees the heavens open, the Holy Spirit like a dove lighting upon him. He's baptized in that moment in the Holy Spirit. We know that God anointed him, Acts 10.38. 
anointed him with the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Guys, what if in my adventures in ministering to the youth, I come up against a case like this? What, don't you think I owe it to the kids that I'm going to be sent to to operate in a power that will make them free? And not just tell them about a Jesus that can make them free, but actually hunger and thirst in a way. And if I must fast and pray till I see that breakthrough, then so be it. I know guys like A.A. A. Allen, I think it was, that locked himself in a closet for like 21 days until he didn't eat till he got a breakthrough in anointing and healing. I know stories of people that they refused to settle for where they were and they were willing to pay the price. And I promise you guys, the reason why it's so hard for so many to fast is because, like I said, so much of what we do revolves around food. We have habit hunger. We eat three square meals a day, most of us. We think, and yeah, there's going to be time. I can't get into it because I only have five minutes left. Guys, you need air first and foremost to live. Then you need water. Then you need sleep. And food's the last on the list. You can fast for extended periods of time if you just say yes to the Lord and let your hunger rise up and you fast and you drink water. Did you know back in the day, back in the day, doctors would prescribe water fasts? Did you know back in the day, if you had cancer or a tumor in your body, you look it up, you research it. Fasting doesn't just have physical benefits, it also has spiritual benefits. But what's true often physically is often true spiritually. So what would happen is, you and I, we eat some stuff, don't we? We eat a lot of processed food. We eat a lot of junk. So what happens is when you do that, when you eat like that, your body and your organs are working on overtime to process all that stuff. When you fast and you don't eat and you drink water, your body now has the opportunity to rest and attack toxins that are foreign invaders. And your organs will actually rest. And they would see within 10 days, 14 days, cancer disappear. When you would just fast. You know why? Because your body would rest and it would do what it was designed to do by the Lord. It would kill the tumor. Well, that doesn't make the insurance company money, does it? That's not going to get the doctor paid, will it? But I wonder if God knew that all from the beginning. I wonder if God knew the benefits, not just spiritually, but also physically, if you would just water fast. Now, up to this point, Jesus is the only one that's done it. He said, bring the boy to me, Matthew 17. So he rebukes the demon, and the demon comes out. And the disciples humble themselves, and they say, why couldn't we do it, Lord? What's up? How come we couldn't cast it out? He said, well, it's because of the littleness of your faith. He said, because of your unbelief. And then this is what he said. He said, but this kind. Then he goes on to say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, move, and it will move. And watch this. And nothing will be impossible to you. But guys, this is in the context of praying and fasting. Why? Because he says, and this kind only comes out. By prayer and fasting. We could sit there and say, I'm telling you guys, we tolerate a lot of stuff that we shouldn't tolerate in life. We tolerate a lot of things that are demonically influenced in our family. And I believe the Lord is looking for people that are willing. Guys, I owe it to this generation. What if I come up against something like that? There's only so much, guys, designated authority is going to do. There's something about when you pray and you fast. There's something about feeding, drawing near. Jesus said when the bridegroom is taken in those days, they will fast. They came, they asked him, how come your disciples don't fast? Well, he said as long as the attendants of the bridegroom have the bridegroom, they won't. When he's taken in those days, they will fast. You know what that tells me? Fasting closes the proximity gap. Fasting draws me closer to the Lord. Fasting ignites it, it, 
It quickens my spirit within. Jesus told the, de- uh, told the devil, he said, man won't live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That tells me you're more than just a flesh body. You've got a soul and a spirit. He has something for you to eat every day. And there's something about fasting that quickens your own spirit, that makes you sensitive, focuses you on the Lord. Where if you're not going to physically eat, then you need to feast on the bread of life himself. And every day, guys, he has something that's baked fresh daily. It's like Subway, man. He'll make it for you. Because he says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, they had that experience in the wilderness. They had this bread showing up miraculously. This man, it translates, what is it? That's what man actually means. What is this stuff? And it would show up every day. And they would, they would, they themselves had to gather enough to eat. And whatever they didn't gather and whatever they didn't eat would rot, but it would be no good tomorrow. That means this, God will not refrigerate for you today what you were supposed to eat yesterday. When you don't feed on him now, you're missing today what he has for you. And I am not okay like the Lord right now has me in this space. And by the way, the Bible says in Matthew 6, whenever you fast, not whenever you feel like it. Matthew 6, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. It sounds like Jesus almost expects it. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Why? Because prayer, why couldn't we do it? Because of your unbelief. What does fasting and praying do? Kills unbelief. Kills it. Because faith quickens because you're drawing near to God in the midst of it. God is looking for the hungry right now. I thank God 50 seconds, I'm going to land this jet. You ready for this? 50, 48, okay. God is, look, I thank God for what he did at that retreat. I know there's more available. I know it. I know there's miracles. Okima came up to me and she said, hey, pray, I'm believing for God to, can I tell, can I tell? To form my thyroid, because part of it's been removed. Do you think that's a problem for the Lord? Was there any, anything that Jesus came up against that didn't move? No. What I do, you will do, and more. And if he's telling me to follow me, then I have to be willing to do what it is that he did. And he fasted and he prayed. And don't you for a second think, that's just some Old Testament phenomenon concept. That's just Old Covenant. We're in, I've heard people say, I've been around. Brian, you need to get a grip. It's a season of, of feasting. What are you talking about? It is not. The hungry and the desperate will constantly go low before God. So how does he wrap this up in Luke chapter 11? He says, if you then being evil in verse 11 or 13 know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? That's the whole point. Lord, teach us how to pray. You know what the Lord wants to teach us how to pray for in this hour? More of you, God. I need to go. Who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ himself. And those kids had an encounter with him last night. And I know that there's more for them to experience. I know there's more for me to experience. I know there's more for Penn to experience. I know that there's more for all of us to experience as a body. And God is looking right now for people that are willing to lay their life down in prayer and fasting. And I'm telling you, this is where he says, Brian, where I'm taking you, where you are, you can't come. And so for me right now, he has me committed to Tuesdays and Thursdays, I fast. That's just where I am at. Well, you can't tell people that. No, I can tell it to you as long as my motive is clean and pure. I'm not looking for your attention. I'm not saying, please clap for me now. That's not why I'm telling you. I'm using it by way of example. Guys, if, maybe you just need to start with a meal. Maybe you, need, maybe you just need to try one day. 
Maybe then you go to three, five, seven. I mean, look, at, look it up in the Bible. See it. The Holy Spirit directed them supernaturally. They were fasting and praying. And that's one of the ways we minister to the Lord. And from that place, he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work that I called them to. It makes you sensitive to the things of God. When you sow into the flesh, you reap the flesh. Your feelings, your thoughts, your choices are dictated by what you sow into. If I sow into, my, if I sow into the Spirit, if I sow, I'm more than a flesh body, guys. I will reap it in my soul. Then all of a sudden, my decisions and my emotions and my thoughts are filtered through the eye of the needle of the Spirit. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name for this word. We thank you, God, that you're looking for the hungry, that you're looking for the thirsty. We thank you for the grace that accompanies prayer and fasting. It's not just one or the other. It's not, we're not just fasting. It's fasting and prayer. So, Jesus, we thank you. I pray that you would help them to make sense of this. I pray, Father, that you would take these words, God, and you would use them like a two-edged sword like you do. God, there's something about your sword that both cuts and heals at the same time because it's a double-edged sword. Lord, we welcome the conviction of the Spirit. We welcome you to challenge us. We welcome you to light a fire underneath us. God, don't leave us the same. Lord, quicken our heart. Lord, you're looking for the desperate ones. You're looking for the hungry ones. And I pray that you would find that in us. Make us hungrier than we've ever been. Make us to fall in love with you even more. Thank you for this church. Thank you for everything that you're doing here, Jesus. We bless Penn and his leadership and Nelson and Heather, God, and Amy and everybody involved and Jesse. We thank you, Lord, that, that they have opened up their heart to you. This is a place that you trust. This is a house that you dwell in. And I, I know, I've been around, I can feel your presence here, Jesus. I thank you that this is a place that brings people out of their Egypt and into freedom. I thank you that this is a place, God, that brings people out of darkness and into the light. Lord, I thank you that this is a healing center. This is a place where people that have been battered and bruised by religion come and find genuine freedom in the person of the Holy Spirit. This place is a restoration center. This place is a house where people come and they genuinely experience loving community. And Penn, I just want to say to you, and I know that so much of the prophetic already just affirms and confirms what we already know, but Lord, I celebrate that this man is a genuine father. I celebrate the fact, Father, that literally he has taken the call of God so serious. God, you have set aside apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists that the grace on their life might be multiplied to the ones in their care. And, Penn, you have done it. You have done it, and I celebrate that in you. And it's an honor and a privilege to share this pulpit with you. Father, we thank you for a man who's laid his life down and a man who takes seriously the call of Father on his life. I thank you, Lord, that, that he has created an environment with his team where when people walk in, they say there's something different here. This is a place that feels, it feels like I can come and lay all of my burdens down, and I'm, I'm encouraged to do so. This is a place that introduces people to the genuine mercy, kindness, and grace of the Lord. And I thank you that people walk out. This is a, this is a time, this is a place where, where people come and they get genuinely restored and then they get released to do what it is that they're called to do. So Penn, I celebrate how you have raised people up to follow the call of God on their life. And Jesus, we honor him. We are thankful for him. Lord, continue to give him grace to run the race. And may every one of his dreams and what you've called him to continue to prosper and grow. May every church he's ever planted continue to be watered, God. 
may continuously be fed through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for a man who's led this church through a very dark time and season. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your power and your mercy that rests in this place. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for the fellowship of this body. We thank you for this house. And for everybody watching online, Jesus, we bless them. We honor you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen.